0: Welcome to the show. You're listening to the Hope Radio Podcast. Stories, interviews, and profiles of courage, triumph, and perseverance. My name is Sean Davis. I happen to be your humble host. And joining me as always, my beautiful wife. Her name is...
1: Just Jen.
0: Just Jen. And you're along with us as we are moving this Hope train on down the tracks. Choo-choo! And uh, we're going to have quite an interview today that I'm going to share with you in a 2nd I'm going to surprise you with Jennifer. One. One?
1: That was the second.
0: What? That was the second. Oh, you always get me on these things. <laughs> <laughs> you silly. <laughs> you silly. You tricked me. I didn't know what you were doing. I was confused. <laughs>
1: confused. Yeah. Exactly. Bamboozled.
0: Confused, bamboozled. Yeah. Um, how you doing?
1: I'm doing okay.
0: Great day. Sunshine. Okay. Yes. It's a sunshiny day it's, beautiful
1: it's it's another day of being in quarantine with our family so i am happy
0: living our best quarantine life yes during the pandemic
1: yeah i have no complaints you know like the world is crazy outside of our house so i just stay in my house
0: i i i, I do notice that yeah i've been alone there with you
1: i like it though <laughs> you know it's like if I walk outside, then it gets crazy, so yeah. we just, you know, kind of hang with each other.
0: Yeah, and I think we have the luxury of being able to leave our house and come here to our podcast studio yeah. or our business property and then go back home, so, like, yeah. it feels like we're doing something. feels like we're out and about.
1: Even when I'm home, I'm doing something.
0: Yeah, yeah. I'm
1: always doing something. So you think. I have to be doing something. <laughs> I did the laundry. I did the dishes for the 25th time in one day. Um. I cleaned the house. I sat on my balcony and did my, my prayers. You are awesome. See,
0: You wake up at zero dark 30 and do your workouts. I did
1: 55 workouts.
0: Yeah. See? Yeah, you're doing good. I do stuff. You know, I have noticed that there's a lot more people out on the roads and stuff. I do think people are kind of getting over it.
1: Yeah. Well, do you know that some of our friends have quit quarantine? What? Yes.
0: They voluntarily quit? They're, they're yes. being rule breakers?
1: They can't be our friends anymore because I don't trust them. <laughs> they just quit. They quit. Quarantine.
0: Well, I can sympathize. I think I'm over it. I think a lot of people are over but it. But I'm not quitting. You're not a quitter? Team no quit. So if they say we got to stay home until uh, October?
1: Yeah, I'm staying home. I am such a rule follower.
0: Yeah. I October's
1: my right. birthday anyways. We can It is. We can have That'd cake. be a
0: good month to kind of have the world open up again. In October? I hope it opens before that. But it'd yeah. be a good month your Birthday month,
1: it is what it is. I'm just along for the ride,
0: it is. And so, um, I think now is a really, 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 really good mm-hmm. time for joke time. Okay, you ready? I'm ready. Okay, this is our Sean and Jen tell a joke. We got to figure out who's the funnier, me or her.
1: <laughs> who's the funnier?
0: Yeah, who's the funnier? <laughs> who's the funniest?
1: I'm the funnier. See, that was funny. Yeah, that was see, I made you laugh. Yeah,
0: I'm already winning. You won. Did I win? <laughs>
1: I didn't have to tell a joke. The end. No jokes today. (laughs) That was the joke.
0: All right. Let's hear your joke if you're ready.
1: Okay. Are you ready? Yes. Go. Okay. Why couldn't the teddy bear eat his donut?
0: Why couldn't the teddy bear eat his donut? I don't know why.
1: Because he was already stuffed. (laughs) I love the fake round of applause.
0: That was a good one. I actually liked that joke. That one uh, made me laugh.
1: Yeah, because he was eating donuts. He was stuffed. (laughs) He couldn't (laughs) eat donuts anymore.
0: It's your favorite things, teddy bear and food. Donuts. Donuts.
1: With pink frosting and rainbow sprinkles only. It's the only donut I'll ever eat.
0: I thought you were a cupcake girl.
1: Well, I like cupcakes too with pink frosting and rainbow sprinkles.
0: (laughs) (laughs) All right, you ready for my joke? Yes, I am. Let's see how fast your mind works on this one. All right. When life gives you melons, you might be dyslexic.
1: What's it spelled backwards?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Are you kidding me? You didn't get that one.
1: If life gives you melons, when life
0: gives you melons, you might be dyslexic. That was funny because it's lemons. People that are dyslexic spell
2: their words differently. Oh, well,
0: I'm not dyslexic. Jennifer! So I didn't get it. Oh my gosh.
1: But I think I won that one. No. Yeah.
0: You always win. I know. Because you cheat.
1: (laughs) I can't help it. I'm not dyslexic. I didn't understand it.
0: I bet you there's people that listened that thought that was funny. No. All right. Well... Maybe not. I
1: think, I just think you're funny in general because you thought it was funny.
0: I did. We have such opposite (laughs) tumor funny bones. I've
1: been saying that forever for like 20 something years. Well,
0: now I'm starting to believe it.
1: (laughs) Oh my gosh. I wish you would just believe everything I would say when I say it. No. Because I'm always right. No. You know that. No. You tell me often.
0: No. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Let's get on to uh, our interview today. All right. I've got an interview lined up with Yvette, and I think that this interview is going to be awesome. I think it's going to be one of our best hope-filled interviews. It's a really, really challenging story. It's a really unimaginable story, but ultimately, it is a story of hope. It's a story of faith, and it's a story of happiness and joy. And so we're going to talk with Yvette, who we know through a mutual friend, And we're going to talk to her about losing her son and how she processed that. So what do you think? You ready?
1: Let's give her a call.
0: All right. Let's get her on the line. All right. I've got Yvette on the line. Welcome to the show, Yvette. How are you today?
2: I'm fabulous. Thank you for asking.
0: Well, that sounds fabulous to me. I want to be fabulous, (laughs) too. I hear you're up in the mountains.
2: We are. We're camping for the next 10 days.
0: That sounds so sublime. That's
2: a dream for it us is. right now.
0: I know, like the mountain air, the the, the smell of the pine mm-hmm. trees, you know, the fire at night.
1: Yes, oh. we, we Sean and I, our family, we have an airstream, so we love camping so much, and we have not been able to get out, so it's been driving us crazy. So I'm so happy that you are there camping for us.
2: Uh, thank you. <laughs>
0: <laughs> what? Where are you?
2: I'm in Ohio. Oh hi! And are you camping
0: by a lake, by water, by chance?
2: I am a quar cor- an old quarry.
0: <laughs> uh, oh, that's my favorite. See if we go camping, it's got to be it's got to be mm-hmm. by water. Yeah. I got to be either by a yeah. river or I got to be by a lake. Mm-hmm. I got to be by water. Yes. So that's and awesome. It,
1: and there has to be some kind of running trails because we like to run and hike on the trails. So
2: we we we're, and there's we're, tons of those, tons see, and tons of those. We are on our way, Yvette. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> well, it's really nice right now because of all of the COVID stuff. They're only allowing the year round campers to come in. Okay. So there's only two other campers in a 1500 slot site wow. during the week. So we come during the week and we go home on the weekends.
0: Wow, that sounds sounds awesome. Sounds like you got the whole neighborhood to yourself.
2: (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) we do. I love it.
0: Well, thank you so much for joining our show. And, um, you know, I, I wanted to have you on the show because I've heard bits and pieces about your story and about your son's story. And I just felt like it was a story that would foster hope in others. I can't imagine how difficult it is to Lose a child, and I don't think anybody can unless they've been in that situation. And so, maybe you can just walk us through what happened a few years back. This was in 2017, and so just um, you know, for the benefit of our of our listeners, walk us through what happened to your son back in June of 2017.
2: The story really started in February. My son had been married to a woman for 13 years, and she came home one day and she said. I'm having an affair with your business partner, and I'm not sure if your children are yours. And I'm leaving you. And he just couldn't understand. He'd never had betrayal in his life. He his head was spinning. He was so lost. And so it went on for a while.
0: Let me let me just uh, just for a second. So she actually blindsided him out of the blue. He had no idea. And she has a conversation with him and basically says, you and your partner own a business together. I've been having an affair with him, and I don't even know if our children are yours. That had to have been an incredible thing for him to process. Like, what a load of, yeah. you know, just surprise lumped on your on your front driveway.
2: Yes. And, he, I mean, he didn't see it coming. He had no idea. He was blindsided. So he asked her if they could please go to counseling and try to work things out. And they did that for a few months and she refused to quit seeing the other guy. Um, They dissolved their partnership and she moved in with the other guy and they proceeded to have a happy little family. Well, my boy was lost. He didn't know what to do and he went and filed for a divorce. On the day that he was murdered, they, it was tumultuous. There was a lot of back and forth stuff. Of course, he was upset. He wanted to confront the guy and, you know, he took everything he had from him in his mind. Mm-hmm. And he went to have a conversation or discussed or whatever to the, to the guy's house. And he walked in uh, onto the guy's property and the guy shot and killed him. He uh, shot him through the femoral artery and through the heart. And when they did the interview with the guy, the detective asked, well, why did you kill him? I mean, you could have just stopped him. And he said, no, I shot to kill. He got exactly what I wanted him to do. And eight months later, they got married. And she tried to have the man adopt my son's kids, which didn't go so well. And that's the story in a nutshell. I mean, we were all left standing there going, "What on earth just happened? I mean, how how could this be?"
0: I mean, I'm just in shock basically at just the the, the how it all unfolded. And I think as you as as I recall, you mentioned that there was a bit of a of a plan there, like they had goaded him into coming over. Something about y- well, y- your car and something about him going over there, or y- you know, some story like that. Well,
2: they got he. T- what happened was my son was a um, a little league coach, and he had been at his son's game, and. He said to his son, he said, well, you're going to come home with me. And his son told him, no, my other dad said, I can't. I'm going to come home with you. And he got on his phone and he texted the guy. And the response was from the guy, if you don't like it, why don't you come over here and do something about it? Mm. And that's when my son went over there to do something about it.
0: He was baited into it because he knew he knew your son was. was upset. He knew your son was volatile and angry, and you know he was he was trying to push a button, and uh, the and he, button, yep, and the button he pushed was you know yeah you want to do something about come on over you know kind of a situation.
1: What is the time frame between this between when your son had found out about the affair to that day?
0: He found out in February, right?
2: Yes, and it was late. It was late in February. Okay. So it was, so it was basically and the three then months. He, on June sixth he was dead. Okay. And so and I mean there was a lot of stuff in between there, you know. She right. was going over there and doing laundry, you know, she would cook him dinner. Cook your you son know, dinner? And he, the wife? Yeah, and he was yeah. And he was so confused. I mean he loved her so much he didn't understand. Mm-hmm. You know, if if you want this over, why are you coming here and, you know, cleaning my house? Why are you doing my laundry? Why are you cooking? You know, right. I think that she was also tormented, to be honest. I think she wanted the best of both worlds. She didn't know how to end it. I mean, mm-hmm. he had their children. We did find out that they were his. Okay. They were my son's children, oh. you know. Yeah. And it, it just was a—it wasn't done with dignity and grace. None right. of it was done gracefully at all. Mm-mm. I mean, it was it was very— as I said, he had never had betrayal. He didn't. Okay. He didn't know what that felt like. I mean, I sent him to Hawaii to try and get away and recuperate in this three month period. I sent him here to Ohio to be with his sister to try and center him. He was so lost. Mm-hmm. I mean, he just thought his world was done. You know, he he had no idea how to deal with it, and unfortunately, he didn't have the faith that I had had in my life. So he didn't have anything to ground him. You know, he didn't, it was, it was difficult.
0: Yeah. He was, uh, he was like a, a boat on the ocean rudderless, you know, just drifting wherever it would take him. And I can only imagine how traumatic that was for him in that time. And, um, you said also that when he went over there, like the wife, his wife was with his former business partner, the, the guy that, She had cheated on uh, with him, and she was there, and so she witnessed him killing her husband, too, at that time.
2: Well, she did. She, I mean, she was a part of it. After, I mean, to be really honest about it, the gentleman, I want to call him the gentleman, I'm going to be pleasant here, after he shot him twice, they were both standing over the top of him, and my son um, had went into the car after he had been shot, and retrieved, also retrieved a pistol that he carried. And he didn't have it when he went up to the guy because he didn't think that he was going to need it. Then he goes, he gets it and he goes back to the house. He pops off uh, around. At this point, he's already dead. He doesn't know it yet. He hits the ground and he looks at her and he proceeds to shoot himself in the head. Which the coroner's report has said point blank that it wasn't a, it wasn't a fatal shot, the shot that he shot himself, and that's why, in that conversation that we had the other day, you heard her say it was not suicide, um, because they said point blank it wasn't suicide. They, um, the two of them, tried to claim that he tried to kill himself, and that's not not truthful. I mean, it's not. He did shoot himself, but at that point he was already more or less going to die from the inflictions of the first two shots.
0: He was already mortally wounded with the uh, first two shots by by the guy. Correct.
2: The first one was to his femoral artery. So he was bleeding out already. And then the second one went through the valve in his heart. But you know how adrenaline is. He was still pumping adrenaline.
0: Did you know something that day? Like I want to say that I I heard something about you having some sort of sense or or you just knew something, like you warned him not to go over there.
2: I had asked him. Well, I had had given him the money to go uh, file for divorce because I truly felt like that was going to be the best thing instead of playing the games that were being played just for him to file for divorce and then get out of there so he could survive and try to get well. So, I had given him the money. He went and filed for divorce that day. And I knew something wasn't going to go well. I mean, he called me on the way back from the attorneys and he was beside himself. He said, You know, I love her. I don't know what to do. You know, I want my family back. I want to do what I need to do to make this right. And I'm like, Well, there's just nothing you can do. You have to accept the fact that she doesn't feel the same way that you feel anymore. You know, you have to let it go. And I asked him to come to me and he said, no, I'm going to go home. Well, that's, he went to the, the ball game and to coach. And that's when all that stuff came down. And then I got a phone call about an hour and a half before I got the call that he was dead. I got a call that said his best friend was looking for him. He'd seen him at the game and, uh, he had a really bad feeling that things weren't going to go very good. And then I actually found out that he was dead in the guy's front yard over the phone because one of the, one of my friends heard it on this, on the, uh, police scanner. They actually said his name on the scanner and she called me.
0: That had to have been the worst call that you've ever received ever in your life
2: it absolutely was
0: i can't imagine and and so you find out over a phone call you knew something was was wrong and then all of a sudden he's gone and he's when did you find out about all the circumstances of what happened you know did that happen right away was it Several days.
2: No, no. We found out right away because they were actually arrested for premeditated murder is what they were arrested for. Those were the charges that were brought up when they put them in the police car because they had comp. the detective had confiscated their phones, and he saw that they they baited him into coming. And I when I was told where he was, I went flying down there and. She was in the back of the car, in one police car, and the guy was in the back of another police car. And the detective told me that, you know, this is the circumstances, and we're going to do our very best to make sure that this doesn't get let go. You know, we are we see that he was antagonized to come here. You know, we saw what the circumstances were, and they were, the detectives and stuff were very, um, they were pretty awesome in the whole thing. But eventually they didn't they dropped all the charges on him because in the state of California you can't go on anybody's property with the intent to do any kind of harm and he absolutely went to the man's property with the intent to do harm. And that's called self-defense. Wow. So they dropped all the charges. <laughs> so they
0: so in essence They knew exactly what was the 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 business partner, the man that murdered your son. He knew exactly what he was doing. He knew.
2: Yes, he did. He knew how
0: to orchestrate it. He knew. So to me, it was it was premeditated murder with the guise of self defense, and your your son just just fell into the trap.
2: Absolutely, blindly fell in. Now He, he gave them absolutely everything they wanted.
0: Yeah. And you said it, it, it. the court, the proceeding, the arraignment, the trial. Did he have a trial?
2: No, they dropped the charges. The DA refused to pick up the charges. Hmm. She let it go.
0: And so, what was what was happening with your grandchildren at this time? During this time, like she, because I think in your story you mentioned that there was a period of time where, like, she would not let you see your grandkids at all. I didn't
2: see them for two, for two years nothing. I sent 78 texts and requests on how the children were doing and got no response. So I finally hired an attorney in the area. And I also made a couple other phone calls. And within two weeks of that, she reached out and said, okay, I'm going to start letting you talk to the kids and sent, started sending me pictures, just Stuff. I mean, and I have a good relationship with them now. You know, I get to Facetime them every couple weeks, and it's not unsupervised. You know, she's always there or he's always there yakking, so I know that they're they're there. But that's okay. I'll take what I can get. They're not going to be babies forever.
0: Wow, that that's got to be the hardest thing ever to to know that the man that murdered your son. Is playing a significant role in the raising of your grandchildren, along with the wife that had cheated on him and was there when it all happened. I just, I guess, uh, I sit here and just want to acknowledge what I know to be your immense amount of strength for being able to deal with this. I, I guess, the question that I would have is. How did you deal with this? How did you survive this? Because Jen always has said if something happened to one of our kids, like, she wouldn't, she wouldn't be here. Like, she just feels like she wouldn't want, want to end her life. You know, I know that she wouldn't, but I know that that's just that feeling. So I'm sure you probably went through some emotions like that.
2: Oh, it was, it was horrible. It was absolutely horrible. The only thing that carried me through, honestly, was my child that I have left my partner, and my faith, and Sam. They are the only reason that I'm still standing. I decided early on, after I finally got out of bed, I I was only in bed for four or five days, and I decided that I couldn't let his mistake and his choices and the ending of his life define who I was going to be as a person for the rest of my life. I've been blessed to be on this earth, I've been blessed to have so many wonderful people in my life that I, no matter how much I love him, he was the love of my life. You know, I had him when I was 17 Mm -hmm. and everything I did in my life was because or for him. But I knew that, that God's intent was not for me to stop living and to give up everything that I've had and it's really hard to explain. I just couldn't let it define me. I just couldn't. I had to get up and I had to be the best possible me to honor my son. You know, I had to let the world see that I could still stand up. I can still be strong. I can still love and I can still hate, you know, but I have to do it with grace. You know, I have to let the world see, Hey, I'm okay. Okay. You know, God walks with me, and He holds me up, and He makes sure that I keep going forward. You know, and it's hard. There's days when I don't want to. There's days when I would just like to go pay a visit. You know, and I'm telling you, God help me if I ever get sick because I'm going to have some choice words to say. You know, but at this point, I'm I'm going to bide my tongue, and I'm going to be thankful for what I have you know, and I'm going to be okay.
0: I think that's a, that's a powerful, powerful message. And, and I agree with you. I, I do think that in a situation like that, I don't think your son would have ever wanted you to wallow in hate, wallow in self-pity and, and just stop living your life. I mean, that would be a double tragedy out of the situation. You know, you, you, lose him and then all the you forfeit your life in the process and I think that that but it takes an immense amount of courage to make that decision because you had every justification to be sour, to be upset, to be angry, to be vindictive. you had every reason to do so yet you chose life
2: and and grace
0: and grace you know I think that's an that's important my
2: thing. That's my thing, grace. I have to do it with grace. And you can't hate and be graceful. You can't. It consumes you. And it's so much easier to try and understand why they did what they did. And I don't accept it. But I'm I'm thankful that I had my son for as long as I had. You- you know, and I'm thankful thankful he loved me and yes. that I loved him.
0: Yeah, I mean, you mentioned kind of their, their, I guess I'm wondering what the motive was. I mean, he obviously had filed the divorce papers. Like, so why, why did they feel like he needed well, to be they, dead in order for them to move on with their lives together?
2: Because he wasn't, he wasn't leaving them alone. He wanted her back. She kept going back. That's why she was going back and cleaning the house. It's why she was cooking him dinner. You know, she was torn. She wanted it all. You know, the business partner had a lot more money. He was very successful in what he was doing before my son ever started working with him. You know? And she liked the money. I really believe that it was about the money. I mean, they. when you're a young family, you struggle. I mean, I don't know many young families that don't struggle. You know, you buy a house, you have a couple kids, you have a couple cars. You, I mean... Life is a struggle. And I think that she liked the not struggling on the other side. I think that she liked the life that, that she had with my son, but she liked the money and not struggling. And she married him because she knew no one else would have her. You know?
0: Was the guy that uh, murdered your son, was he married before this at all? Was he...
2: He he was. And his his wife left him for his original business partner.
0: Wow. That, I didn't see that coming.
2: <laughs> no. And it's a really small town. I mean, they've had it really, really hard. You know, there was a long time when they couldn't get gas. They couldn't do anything because people would yell at them, murderers and tell them to get out of the town. And, you know, it was, a, uh, it was pr- pretty bad for the first two years. I think that's part of the reason why she didn't want me to have anything to do with the kids. I think she really felt like I was perpetuating that I was making people do that. And honestly, I kept telling people that you need to leave them alone. You know what they did, they're going to pay for in the long run. You know, they're going to, they're going to have to answer up for that eventually, but I don't want my grandkids being drugged with that. You know, I don't want them being drugged through everything, leave them alone so that the kids will have half a chance. And I think she thought that I was telling people to say the things and do the things, and, and it, I wasn't.
0: And, it, you know, I think also uh, there's a part, there's a suspicion in me that she also was having a difficult time with her own guilt. You know, like how, how, yeah. can, how can somebody look you in the eyes, have a conversation with you, knowing that they played a role in your son's murder? Like, that's got to be an extremely difficult thing to do. Like, she just wants to you know, put you in a, in a box, put you in the corner, make sure you don't say anything. And then she never has to acknowledge you again. But unfortunately there's kids, you know, involved.
2: Well, I guess it's a saving grace that there are kids involved because she wouldn't have liked the outcome had there not been babies in there.
0: (laughs) I can only imagine. (laughs) Yeah. I can only (laughs) imagine. Now you, you also said something about the fact that you, you have a suspicion that she is not living a happy life now either.
2: She's not. I know she's not. I mean, they've had several visits and from the, the Popo. Mm-hmm. I have a lot of friends that live in the area, and they see the cars going there. And I think that she's she bit off a little bit more than she had expected. I think she fell in love with an idea, and she's realizing now that that idea wasn't anywhere near what she's getting. Mm-hmm.
0: And now she may feel stuck.
2: Yeah. That- oh, I'm sure. It's a bad idea. I'm sure she does. Yeah. That's, so that's the only part that makes me a little bit happy. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I can I can imagine. Well, speaking of happiness, you know, I I do I do find it ironic because one of the biggest reasons that I felt like your message would be just so powerful is that you have found joy mm-hmm. in your life post this event. You have continued to find happiness, and I and I do think, you know, how how ironic is it that this woman is not happy and yet you are, you know, and like she right. didn't she didn't suffer the loss that you suffered, yet you have found peace. You found happiness and, and bright days and sunshine. So w- walk us through kind of how long did it take before you got to a place where you felt like you could you could breathe, that things were somewhat normal for you?
2: I don't think I have a normal I don't think that I'm ever going to be per se normal. My hurt, my heart hurts 24-7. Mm-hmm. I have a constant longing. I miss my son. I can't even tell you um, how deep that is. But the first thing I did was I found myself a really great grief counselor, somebody that I could tell how I felt. I had a lot of guilt because, I felt like my son should have never went there. You know, I don't care what the circumstances are. He should have never walked onto that man's property. So I dealt with a lot of stuff with that because I was angry. I was really mad. I'm like, that's the stupidest thing you could do. You know, it's like just not smart. And my counselor helped me through all of that. And I'd say within six months, You know, I started waking up, I call it, you know, I started digesting and processing and a lot of praying and a lot of talking with Sam and a lot of uh, healing, you know, because I felt guilty. The last thing my son ever saw was the faces of the two people that killed him. You know, he didn't have anybody around him, you know, loving him. He had a lot of stuff. It wasn't pleasant. And as soon as I was able to let go of all of that stuff, of how he died and why he died and the cause of it, I was able to say, you know what? I have to be done with this. I have to find me. You know, I need to be me. I need to give back to the world. You know, I I needed to heal. So we started doing some volunteer stuff and just trying really, really hard to give back and move forward and embrace the new me.
0: Forever changed yeah. the new you. You mentioned an organization or other people that had suffered a similar loss. So, so walk us through how you found the grief counselor and whether or not there's an organization that's out there for, you know, people that have lost a loved one like this or had a, had a child. There
2: there is a wonderful organization. So, um, five days after Raymond had died, my daughter had come out to California, and I have a non bio daughter uh, who had lost a son. And we were all sitting around in the living room, and she's like, Mom, you need to try this. Look up compassionate friends. And I'm like, I'm not ready for this. You know, we're only five days into all of this. And she's like, Check it out, anyways. And the name of the seminar for compassionate friends was a ray of sunshine. Well, his name was Ray. My nickname has always been sunshine since I was a little girl. So we went to this, this seminar and it's huge. They have it once a year. They have all kinds of different classes on how to deal with grief and different types of grief from suicide to drownings to Columbine school kids to, I mean, it's huge. There's Thousands of people that go to this thing. And it was amazing. I mean, they they let you talk about it, which is really hard because when you've lost a child and you tell someone you've lost a child, they always shriek away. I've never had anybody stand up and just want to talk about it or acknowledge him. They're all like, oh, God. I mean, because it is everybody's worst fear. And this organization gives you all the tools on how to deal with the new you. And I think when I was there, I figured out that my loss was no greater than anybody else's because when you're in it, it feels like it's worse than everybody else's. I was standing in line and there was a woman behind me. And you wear these badges that have pictures of your kids on there. And think any age kid, you know, I mean, it could be a 70 year old with a 90 year old mom and it's still a loss. And she had three buttons on. And they were three beautiful kids. And I was like, oh, my goodness, have you lost three children? And she, 18 months apart, she lost her first daughter, 18 months, another daughter, and 18 months, another daughter after that. And I thought, okay, (laughs) Mm -hmm. I've only lost a son. You know, it really put it in perspective for me. You know, I mean, was my loss a lot? Yeah. But there's people that have lost a lot more.
0: Can you even imagine? Jen, like, like just three buttons on, on, like, yeah, how do you even process? Like, it immediately from a contextual perspective makes you go, oh, my, whoa, you know, like, you, how I, I, how does that could, even happen? Like, I know. that's
1: what, like, like, wow.
0: I thought it was a car accident at first, you know, when she said three or, yeah. cause you just can't imagine. Like, it
1: just, that's just when I, like, I'm like, it's just not fair. It's not fair. Like, I say that a lot yeah. in just life, but it's just, I mean, to lose one well, child, but then to lose three, like, that's not fair. But
2: it's amazing. I mean, I ha- I was a Girl Scout leader, and I had a, a little girl, Allie, and Allie passed away, and I knew that Allie had passed away, and her mom reached out to me when Raymond had passed. She called, and she says, I have to talk to you. She'd lost three children. I had no idea that she had lost three children, that Allie was the third one that she had lost. I'm like, how do you deal with that? I mean yeah. it really made my heart be a lot like I questioned it. Yeah. <laughs> Why yeah. are you feeling such a great loss when so many people have lost so much more?
0: Yeah, you I think know? I think I think I think that's gotta be really challenging. I mean I think you gotta be kind to yourself because a loss is a loss. Mm-hmm. You know, like regardless mm-hmm. of how many or, or whatever, like you just, you're just devastated. But I do, I do see how that could shift your, you know, your perspective. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's kind of like the reason why I wanted you to come on the show. I think that there's a lot of people out there right now that are, are uh, upset because they've lost their job or, you know, their hours have been cut or they might lose their house if this continues or, or whatever. So to have the context of, you know, that's all things It's not one of your children. And then, you know, to have you and your story shared and like, how can you, how can you recover? How can you overcome? How can you still, you know, love life after that? But then I think that happened for you to have, you know, conversations with somebody in real conversations and you see that they've lost two children or three children. It's just unimaginable. And I I don't really think that that, I didn't realize that happened very often. I mean, I knew it happened in war. Like, I've heard stories of, you know, kids going off in World War One or World War Two mm-hmm. and, you know, a mom losing both of her sons because they were in battle or something along the I I think of um, that Legends of the Fall, you yeah. know, like that uh, mm-hmm. show I liked with Brad, Brad Pitt where, you know, one of the kids was uh, lost or killed in war. And so I just um, – wow. And so – I get your point. I can see how people would, would be uncomfortable talking to you about that, but I think that... Com- I think
1: I can, you know, I'm uncomfortable talking about it just because you don't know if you have the right words to say. And if you haven't been in that situation, you just, you don't know how to act. You don't know how, what to say. And it, it's it's an uncomfortable feeling. But um, some people are just, I think, better at talking about it than I am. Well,
2: it's amazing that nothing makes me feel better in my spirit. for someone to say my son's name Mm -hmm. yeah, because that means he's not gone you know that means yes he's not here on this physical plane but yes he left a mark you remember who he is you're going to say his name yes you know and to say it to me makes my heart happy and it's still to this day people look at me and they won't say his name i mean they, they do everything they can to try a and avoid it. And it's mm-hmm. like, why? You mm-hmm. know, if they only knew how good it made me feel. Yes. To say, Hey, you know, I really miss Ray or you mm-hmm. know, I mean it's amazing.
0: I think you I, think, so I th- think Go ahead.
2: Go ahead.
0: No, I was just gonna say I think, I think a think- lot of people
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> I've never heard it that way though, you know, like I've never even put that into perspective. But I might not have the words, but I would hug you like crazy and cry with you. Like I don't, I, I, I'm just, I think that way.
0: I think that my best guess would be that people are uncomfortable that it might trigger a negative from you. Like, like saying his name would be somehow upsetting or or hurtful or whatever. I think that that's, that's a misconception. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think it's great to hear you say that, no, his name gives me joy. I love that. I love knowing that. It makes me smile. Mm -hmm. I want it. I want to hear him. I think that that's a really, really good thing to share because I don't think that that's an obvious thing to people that would hear your story and uh, have a conversation with you.
1: Well, being a mother, you want to talk about your kids as much as you can anyway. So whether they're here or not here, it's like you still find this joy in talking about your children, you know, like they are your prized possession. So I can see that.
0: So has this led for you, Yvette to you wanting to work more with compassionate friends? I mean, have you come alongside other moms or other dads that have lost children since you lost Raymond?
2: I have. I'm not real into the the group thing. I mean, I think compassionate friends served its purpose for me when it did, but it would be my goal is I would like to get a ranch at some point and do therapy horses and I would like to reach out to people which I do all the time on Facebook and different organizations, when people, I see that they lose their kids, there's nothing like someone that's already lost their child to talk to you. Because if Jen were to approach me, I would think to myself, nothing personal, but you can't possibly know how I feel. But when it's another mother that's lost their children, you, you envelop them, you embrace them, you pull them in because they can give you what other people can't give you. And since Raymond's passed, I probably have 50 people that I talk to on a regular basis that have all lost their children that I've reached out to, you know, because I felt so alone. You know, I felt so lost. I didn't have at first anybody until Annie came forward that could tell me it passes. You know, you you'll get over this feeling, you know, you're never going to feel the same, but you'll get past it you know you'll be able to get out of bed if you know god lets you if you are strong enough to move forward and it i don't know it it's those women will always be a part of my life and they're it's all women and i think it's awesome how they've helped me and it's awesome that i get to help them
0: i agree I agree completely. Did I ramble? No, you're you're great. I guess one one question I had was, you know, let's talk about your faith for a minute because I can't imagine going through something like that without faith, but I do know sometimes it causes people that were faithful before to just lash out at God, why did this happen? Why him? Why me? You know, like I think it can, I think it can either strengthen somebody's faith or I think it can weaken their faith. And so how did, how did your faith play a role in your recovery in the days after and the months after and the years after?
2: Well, the reason my faith is a part of this is because I know that this was only the end of this chapter. I know that there's more chapters for my son and I. Early on, within, I think it was eight or nine days after Raymond passed, I had somebody reach out to me and tell me that I they knew had, Raymond had gone to the other side and reached out to them and all of this stuff. And it made me realize that I truly believe that there is a hereafter. I truly believe that I'm going to maybe not embrace my son, but I'm going to get to a different plane with him eventually. You know, I, I know that he watches over me. He sends me signs all the time and it gives me a lot of hope. And I know that the Lord has blessed me. I mean, I was, on the streets, living on the streets at 12. I lived on the streets when I was pregnant with Raymond. I met somebody. I was married to him for 35 years. I lost him 19 months before Raymond passed away. I lost him. And my faith is what makes it okay. My faith is what carries me through. And without my faith, I don't think I could have made it at all.
0: Wow. I have, you know, I thought you were a strong woman before <laughs> I came on the show, but to hear that you were on your own since 12 and living on the streets at 17 when you were pregnant with Raymond and and to lose your love of 35 years, um, you know, not two years before Raymond. I mean, I, I just feel like you got your fair share of challenge and heartache out of this world, and yet you're still moving you're still walking you're still out there living and loving and laughing and it's just uh it's just a story of courage I mean I just a- applaud you for um your strength Jen- Jen's over here weeping <laughs> like she's got tears rolling I'm down her eyes i over here
1: crying my <laughs> face off
0: she's got tears rolling down her eyes and down her I face I need to
1: compose myself <laughs>
0: what what struck you
1: just everything i mean the whole story is just you know and i and going into this interview i told sean this morning i'm like this is gonna be hard for me like maybe i'll just sit there and just listen but like i i, I don't for some reason like i always put myself into other people's shoes and it's just that's what happened i just it's sad It like yeah. it breaks but my it, heart but
2: it's not it's, but it's not sad yeah. it's my story it's right. a happy story right if you ask me, I'm going to tell you I've had the best mm-hmm. life I could have. I quit school. I never went to high school. I ran a very successful business. I mean, a multi million mm-hmm. dollar business. You know, mm-hmm. I was married to the same person for 35 years. He loved me like none other. You know, God put another man. I have a new man in my life. Mm-hmm. You know, he's so different than what I had before, but I don't think anybody's ever loved me as much as this man. You know, I mean, I was a basket case for a long time. Yeah. You know, I still have my days when I just cry. And he holds me up. He's like, come on, you know, you got this. It's okay to be sad today, but I expect you to arrive Mm -hmm. tomorrow. (laughs) And, you know, it's not, it's not, I know looking from the outside, it looks sad, but it's not. Right. I'm, I'm blessed. And I love, (laughs) I love that about
1: you. Like, I love that I can see the joy and I can hear the happiness and like, I need you in my life. Like you are just, you are a very positive person and I love that about you.
2: They don't call me sunshine for nothing.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You are
1: sunshine.
0: I love that. I'm
1: never going to forget that either. I'm just going to refer to you as sunshine. Whenever I'm talking to Sam, I'm like, how's sunshine
2: doing? (laughs) I love that.
0: You know, it, it reminds I
2: mean, me. Is, I was just going to say life is good. Yeah. You know, no matter what you take from me or take from this world, we're still here. Mm-hmm. We're still breathing. We've been blessed to get up every morning. You know, I mean, it might be hard. You know, you might be minus a limb or you might yeah. have lost a loved one or you might have lost a child or you might be really sick. But dang it, you're mm-hmm. still getting up. Exactly right. You know,
0: you yeah. that. It reminds me of uh, ha- happiness being a choice. Mm-hmm. It's not. It's not it's, based on your circumstance. It's. It's. It's choosing despite your circumstance, yeah. still choosing happiness yeah. and joy, and you know, moving forward in life with that kind of of sunshine.
1: Yeah, sunshine.
2: Well, I have to say, I had a girlfriend for many years, and she. I would do something and I'd make her mad and I'd ask her, well, are you still mad at me? And she's like, it takes too much energy to be mad. <laughs> I'm very being, true. And I, I carried it forever. Yeah. I'll carry it forever and ever. It takes too much energy to be mad. Let's embrace being happy. Mm-hmm. Let's embrace what we have. You I, know,
1: I wear a necklace every single day and it's happy. That is my thing is like, just be happy happy with where where you're at, with what you have. Just be happy and bring that well, sunshine. If you can,
2: <laughs> yeah, but I think if you can be happy with who you are mm-hmm. because of the way you act every day yeah. and what you put into your life, then you're going to be happy and everybody around you is going to be happy. So, true. you know, if I walk around life and I'm grumpy and pissed off because of the cards that I was dealt, then no one's going to want to be around me. I don't, I don't want to be alone. No, (laughs) of course not. No.
0: And no one wants to be miserable.
2: Yeah. Right. I agree.
0: Nobody wants to be. So along those lines, you know, I would be really interested in hearing what you would have to say, because I'm sure there's some people right now that are listening that are anxious because of COVID. They're anxious because of their health or they're anxious because of their financial situation you know, we've got, uh, what, 25, 30 million or more people unemployed or out of work. You got people that are probably facing the reality that they could be losing their house, or they could be losing their cars, or they're not sure where they're going to, you know, be six months from now. So living the life that you've lived, having dealt with what you've dealt with, you know, how, what would you say to somebody right now that's worried about that stuff?
2: I would say there's no sense in worrying. Do what you need to do. Change what you need to change to make things different. You know, there's always hope. Just get up and do what you need to do. Don't get stuck in what you might lose. You know, if you spend all your time trying to worry about the way things are, they're not going to get better, you know? And as far as everyone keeps saying that they're going to lose their houses and all of this kind of things, you know, I understand that's real, but I also know that if you ask for help, there's a lot of help out there. You know, just ask, just do what you need to do. Yeah. As my my granddad said, pull up your boots. (laughs) (laughs) As
0: as my mom would say, this is, this will be one for her cowboy up.
2: Yeah. (laughs) That's it. And I mean, it's hard and, we've all lived such a pampered life over these last 20 years compared to what our grandparents lived, you know, and it's not that people don't know how they just forget how, you know, make it better. You can make it better. Everybody can make it better. You know, and if you lose your home, then you're just not meant to have it. We have to start over. Maybe you'll have something better. You know, maybe you'll have something smaller.
0: It's called life maybe you'll have a better quality of life because you're not strapped yeah. to all the financial trappings that people have. Maybe, maybe you'll get a better job. Maybe you'll follow your passion. Maybe you'll follow your dream. Maybe you'll follow your purpose mm-hmm. through all of this. Exactly. Yeah.
2: yeah. And just think how many people have got to spend two months with their families Yeah. in the history of the world. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not been easy and I know it's at a great expense, but, these children that are there now are going to remember the time they got to spend with their parents that they would have never got to spend before. You know, these kids have been disconnected. Now they're working on, on computers and stuff, but their parents aren't letting them be on their game boys or on their Nintendo's and all that stuff. You know, parents are sitting their kids down and having family dinners. Mm -hmm. You know, I have a girlfriend that said we hadn't sat down and had regular dinners in years. And now they do it every night. You know that's amazing. That's
0: the plus. I agree. I think it's a it's a it's a big reset. It's a big pause. It's a big reflection. And I think people that are going to come out of this really really well are going to be the people that reflect that way and take stock of, of the blessings that they have. The gratitude, being thankful for what you do have, not what you're missing, not what you don't have. You know, being being able to be grateful in the moment now, regardless of the circumstance. And I think that you. You, Yvette, are a perfect example of that.
2: Oh, well, thank you. I'm just doing life over here. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're, just, you're, you're just, camping. Just, you're just living your best life. <laughs> she is. You know, like yeah. I said, I can't let my son's lack of breathing define the rest of my life.
0: Mm-hmm. Yes, very well said. Thank you so much, Yvette. Thank you so much for your courage. Thank you so much for your vulnerability and your truth and your story. And you know, I, I wish I could have met Raymond. I wish I could have known him. He sounds like a just a truly awesome guy. I, I can sympathize with um, you know just the the challenges that he faced with you know trying to process the the loss of his wife and kids and you know all that other stuff. But to sit here and and have a situation where you know, you now can reflect on his life and and you're proud of him. And he was a sunshine, a ray of sunshine for you. And I just, uh, I thank you for your truth and your story. I just, um, you know, I I wish I could have met Raymond.
2: Thank you. And I wish you could have too, but then we wouldn't have been talking. Right. So it all came, came around for a reason. (laughs) It always does. It's very true. (laughs) Very true.
0: Well, thank you so much so. for your time today. Uh, really appreciate it. And I know a lot of people are going to really receive the message that you're throwing down. And that, and that is, you know, despite your circumstance, despite the cards that you're throwing, like you still have a choice. You can choose happiness. You can choose to live. You can choose joy and and life mm-hmm. and uh, laughter. Yeah. And I, I think you're a testament to that. So,
2: oh, Thank you, guys. Thank you. I really appreciate it. And thank you for your hands, Jen. <laughs> oh yes.
1: Nice warm hands. <laughs>
2: yes, ma'am. <laughs> so okay, well, thank you guys.
0: That was a powerful interview. What'd you what'd you think?
1: She's an amazing woman. I just I need her in my life. I just I just loved everything she had to say. She was so happy and positive, even through all of that.
0: Could you ever imagine being able to still enjoy life after suffering that? And it's not only losing your son, but mm-hmm. it's the way in which she lost her son. And then the situation after that with her yeah. grandchildren and stuff. I mean, it'd be enough to process if somehow, some way you lost a child in a traffic accident or yeah. something like that. But to to have them taken from you in that way, to be murdered and to have it be to your knowledge, like with intent, there was an intention to get him to come over there to create the circumstance Mm -hmm. that they did. And then, you know, to find out the way she did and then to have the family treat her the way that she did after the fact. It's just, it's like she had every excuse to just wither and wilt.
1: Yeah, I can't even imagine. But after speaking with her, I'm hopeful. You know, like she really made me feel like, yeah, there is life after something so tragic. Yeah, and there is happiness, and there is joy, and there is you know just like God would want us to go on. Her Not son, only God,
0: her son wants her to go on. Yeah. You know, like you, if you, if you're in that situation, nobody that loves you or cares about you would want you to wallow in misery.
1: Mm-hmm. One of my favorite things that she said that I'm going to write down in my journal is that you can't hate and be graceful. Yeah. I loved that she said that.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like you can't you can't be in the space where you hate somebody and yeah. still have a grace aura. Yeah. Like it's grace robbing it's to hate. It's so true though. Like yeah. if you
1: really really think about it.
0: I think I think the most powerful lesson that I learned through that conversation with her was was just the the choice of choosing to move forward. Like you have to be an active participant in your mm-hmm. own recovery you have to like I think that the pivotal decision that she made was to choose life right. to choose living mm-hmm. to choose moving forward despite your circumstance to to find she she actively searched for joy and happiness and recovery and you know I think that you have to be an active participant in your own recovery that way
1: yeah for sure she's so strong, oh my yeah. gosh,
0: one of the one of the strongest women i've yeah. I've met and yeah. and talked to
1: very inspiring.
0: well, if you felt like that was a hoped filled conversation, then you can follow us. You can follow us on social media, you can follow us at hope radio podcast. On Instagram and also on Facebook. And then digitally, you can take us with you if you're out there out and about in the quarantine world. <laughs> you know, if you're an essential worker or have to drive somewhere, one of those truckers that's a uh, long haul or whatever, you can download our mm-hmm. podcast on what venues?
1: iHeartRadio, Stitcher, I- iTunes,
0: SoundCloud, Spotify, Google Play.
1: And Alexa.
0: Amazon Alexa. All I got to do is say play Hope Radio Podcast Mm -hmm. and you will hear our latest episode of the podcast come through your Amazon Alexa device. So that's awesome.
1: Yeah. And if you know anybody.
0: Yes. If you know of anybody that has a story that would be a hope filled, positive, uplifting story, we want to hear from you because we we need more hope in this world. We We need more stories like Yvette's Mm -hmm. story. Mm -hmm. You know, absolutely. Stories that make you recognize that you do have choice in life. You can move forward after tragedy. Yep, I love that. I do too. All right. So ready for my thought of the day?
1: Yes, I am.
0: All right, here we go. Here's the thought. I like the night without the dark. We'd never see the stars.
1: Very true.
0: Right? Mm -hmm. And I think very true, given vet story. So Mm -hmm. that's how we're going to leave you. And uh, shall we do this again?
1: We should do it again tomorrow. Maybe tomorrow? Tomorrow. Maybe
0: have another show tomorrow? Yes. Tune in again tomorrow. We'll be back right here, same time, same place.